CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
What's up, dudes? I'm going to crack open my first beer in almost a week. <clears throat> Pour, yeah, pouring it into a, uh, a cup. You know, uh, I had a little medical procedure done. I wasn't supposed to drink three days before it or three days after it. And I, I stuck to that. So there you go. I'm drinking a light beer. Because I am also on Vicodin. <laughs> so there you go. Nothing serious. Everything's good. Actually feeling better than normal at the moment. Um, and yeah, so so let's uh, let's let's do this. Let's get into another episode of the Talking Metal podcast. We got a bunch of interesting guests on today's program, so stay tuned for them, including the guess who the classic rock band that now includes one of my favorite bassists of all time, Rudy Sarzo, a guy who we love from Quiet Riot, Ozzy Osbourne, Dio, Whitesnake, so many others. He is now in the Guess Who, and he was a part of this interview, which we will get to uh, shortly. It took place in, in New York City very, very recently. So stay tuned for my interview with the Guess Who, the amazing, great classic rock band that's given us so many great songs, iconic songs through the years. Um, we also have Jason Rockman. He is a dude out of Montreal, and he hooked up with me at Heavy Montreal for a very brief interview. Slaves on Dope, we've had him on the show before. I've hung with him, I think, four times now. Uh, once at Heavy Montreal, another time at Heavy Montreal. Then we hung out in New York City at a hotel, did a Talking Metal interview there. And then recently, uh, we were in the media tent together up at Heavy Montreal this past summer. Great guy. I really like Jason. I don't know him super well, but what I do know of him, he's a very relatable guy and has a great band and does a great job on, on FM radio up there in, in, in Montreal he uh, he's a pleasant person uh, from what I know of him. I got to meet his son too, who had a striking resemblance to my nephew uh, Nathaniel Striegel, which is was was cool. So, anyways, we're going to talk with Jason. We're going to talk with a guy named David from the band Covet, and we're also going to talk with a drum expert who has a drum book out, David. Frangioni, I believe is how he pronounces his name. So a lot of stuff all over the, the place. And stay tuned for that last interview with David because we talk about some great drummers, guys we all love, you know, from our favorite bands, Kiss, Metallica, and all all the rest of them, Carmine Apathy. So, so, many, so many great bands that David covers is in his drum book, which he's going to tell us all about. All righty. I poured, I poured the beer. I haven't had a sip of it yet. So here we go. And it's shit beer, but it's it's a Miller Lite. Um, but again, since I'm already doped up on two Vicodins, uh, I figured I'm, I'm not. I don't think I'm supposed to drink. I'm 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 done with the Vicodins after today. I might save one for the Rat Show um, next <laughs> next Friday. But um, yeah, I, you're not supposed to drink with these, so I'm not planning to go too crazy tonight. And then I have a volume later to really knock me out and make me sleep. 
little too much personal information there, but I'm I'm good. Uh, again, minor medical uh, procedure, and uh, on the on the comeback, um, doing well, doing well. Was bummed to hear about Fitty leaving UDO, who have a, just a great new record out. And man, I, I wonder what happened. I, I emailed Dustin, who is the PR guy who works with UDO. Which the, the new record by them is is just fantastic. We'll we'll hear a cut off it. I'm not just saying that either. I love it. I think it's great. I mean, you know, Dirk Schneider's been out doing this. Except, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, except only tours where he's he's only been playing except for the last few years, and I think this new UDO record has some definitely uh, some great great accept sounds to it more so than some of the past udo records and fitty's been working with with udo for for years for decades so i i i was sad to hear he's out of the band i hope everything's all right i hope he ends up back in the band exciter another band we've followed through the years here on talking metal uh john john out of the band i can't believe that that's crazy it's crazy um, the, you know, they had the original classic lineup of Exciter back for these past few years. And I, I can't believe that John Ricci's out of the band. Pretty, pretty nuts. Venom Inc., another band we've done some great interviews with numerous times over these past few years. Um, abandoned out of the band. So I don't know what's going on, man. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah. We heard no more Mr. Nice Guy coming into the today's uh, episode classic Alice Cooper and that's my new model that a, a couple weeks ago I, I'm I, you know I've always been the polite guy you know at least to people's faces <laughs> I've always been the polite guy the nice guy people well Mark Striegel he's such a nice guy I'm done with it I'm done with it when people are rude to me, uh, to my face, or do something rude, something that I find rude, I'm calling them out on it. When people are are freaking stupid and assholes, I'm I'm done. I, there's no reason. Nice guys finish last. It took me half my life, more than half my life, to figure that out. But I'm done. I'm done. And that's that. So I I and I feel. I feel, uh, what's the word? I feel really like I'm liking this new stance that I'm taking. And I am not going to worry about hurting someone's feelings who's a freaking dickhead. So um, this has played out numerous times in my life over the last few weeks since I've kind of a, a, adapted this new uh, this new attitude. And it's... and. It's working. It's working. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Mark Striegel, that nice guy. Well, he's the nicest guy. No, he's gone. And on that note, this is UDO, new UDO, with Make the Move. I mean, this sounds like classic, except I love this. I love it. Let's hear this and then come back and talk with Jason Rockman.
on that note, let's talk with Jason Rockman from Montreal, Canada. And then we're going to follow that up with a little music by his band. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are here at Heavy Montreal, checking in with Jason Rockman, uh, a guy who our listeners, I think, I think you've been on the podcast twice. So I think that, yeah, including the time we met up in New York. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that, by the way. Oh, you bet. (laughs) And our listeners probably know you most for being the frontman of Slaves on Dope, but. Up here in Montreal, you have numerous other things going on. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. Bit, of a, a bit of a jack of all trades up here. Yeah, um, I've watched you do like just interviews yeah, nonstop yeah, yeah. Like for the last three days. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm like, so I, I work in radio here. Um, yeah. I have a, I'm a DJ at Shom. That's my main job, Shom cool. FM, Shom 97.7. And it's um, it's a rock station. We're a bit of a hybrid station, so we'll play like a lot of classic stuff and a lot of newer stuff. And I've been doing that, doing that for almost nine years now. Um, wow, cool. And I also work with Avenco on Heavy Montreal. I'm an ambassador yeah, and spokesperson for the festival. And uh, so I do a lot of interviews for, for our outlet. And then um, and I'll rep the festival. Like I'll do like promo videos and, right. and like that character where I'm screaming and yelling at everybody. And Are you involved in picking the bands at all? Nope, you, not no, not really. I mean, no. once in a while they'll... they'll uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Right. But okay. once in a while, they'll be like, what do you think of this? And It's a great lineup. I'll, I was going to come. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Or I'll just say, like, you know, when they say, oh, we're getting sleep, I'll be like, yes. You know? Right, right, So every right, once right. in a while, there's like, um, you know, the, the booking Not of approval or, yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah. be like, yeah, I'm stoked. Like, when they booked Faith No More, I just lost it. And I oh, begged, yeah. And I begged them to be on that on that year, and they put right. our band on, so I was really happy. Right, right. Cool. And I needed an update on Slaves on Dope. Uh, 2016, the great album Horse came out. You had my friend Daryl McDaniels on yeah, the record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys doing new music? You thinking about new yes, music? Yeah. Yes. We actually have a lot of stuff on the go right now that's going to come in the next year. Uh, Kevin and I, we did an acoustic show in the States a little while ago, so we decided we were going to do an acoustic EP, just digital. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do about eight songs, revisit some stuff. Um, then we've got a covers EP, Volume 2. We did one um, in 2015, I think. So we are gonna we have a bunch of really obscure, weird covers. We have a Quicksand cover. Um, oh, nice. A bunch of really, really cool covers. Who are touring the States right now. I love Quicksand. Yeah, they're, they're like, playing next week in my hometown. Oh, yeah. man. With the, the Glassjaw tour? Yes. Oh, I'm yeah, so yeah, jealous. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're going to do the covers EP and then 2019 new record. We have about uh, three-quarters of it written already. So a lot of stuff coming in the next... Um, in the next uh, six to eight months. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. And so people in Montreal can hear you on the radio every day, right? Uh, Monday yeah, to Friday, Monday, 7 yeah. to midnight. Yeah, it's my awesome. full-time gig. And I'm also involved with Comic-Con, spokesperson for Montreal and Ottawa Comic-Con. Got a lot oh, on the cool. Go. When is that happening? We uh, love Comic-Con. Montreal Comic-Con is in July, and uh, Ottawa is in May. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I know you got interviews that you got you to jump to, so thank you so much. Oh, thank for, you, man. Uh, Thanks for for being involved with this great festival. And, uh, yeah, there you're being pulled away. And thank you for supporting it. I appreciate (laughs) it. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, man. All right, cool. Thank you.
dope. That was scriptwriter by Slaves on Dope. Jason Rockman is the guy behind Slaves on Dope, and it was great to connect with him up at Heavy Montreal, as I have at every Heavy Montreal I've ever been to. That song features my good friend Daryl DMC McDaniels from Run DMC fame. And the, the crazy story behind that song is they were getting... Run DMC was getting like a Lifetime Achievement Award, and instead of going to Hollywood and hanging out with the music industry elite, Daryl chose to go to freezing Canada and record that song with Slaves on Dope and and Jason Rockman. It's a great story. Vice did a, a story on it. I like to think that maybe I was involved in that. I know, maybe not. I don't know. I know I hooked Mitch LaFon up with an interview with with Daryl, and then I don't know if if Daryl got in contact with uh, with Jason through Mitch or through other channels. I thought maybe it was through Mitch because Mitch is a Canadian guy. So I like to think maybe I remotely had something to do with with that connection and that cool story that Daryl McDaniel's would blow off the Grammy Awards to go record with the Canadian band Slaves on Dope. I, I love it. I love it and speaks volumes about about DMC. Great guy. And Jason Rockman, also a, a, a great guy. And listen, I'm not taking credit for that uh, that great song there that we just heard, but I'm just saying maybe maybe I played into it a little bit. I'm not sure. Who knows? Coming up next, we have the legendary band, The Guess Who. I sat around a table with Gary Peterson uh Will E, Rudy Sarzo, and D Sharp, aka Derek Sharp. And uh two mics, I guess what, five people. I think Will E joined into the conversation a little later. So it's always a little awkward passing mics back and forth. We were in uh the lobby of a hotel in in lower Manhattan, right down there by the Staten Island Ferry. And great guys. I really love these guys. Uh, you know, Gary, of course, has been the guy in the Guess Who since whenever they started. What, like the the mid-60s. So what a living rock legend. What an honor to meet him. Also to speak with Rudy Sarzo again. Uh, we've had him on the podcast before, and it, it was great to talk with him again. All these guys, really decent guys, and I got just such a great vibe from them. And I got to tell you, the new record is good. It's really good. If you like classic rock, I highly recommend checking out the new album by the Guess Who. And it's called The Future Is What It Used To Be. And that title really makes a lot of sense because this this uh, music it's the future but yet it it sounds like a, like classic rock like everything you'd want from the guess who it's a great listen we're going to check out a track uh one of the slower tracks it's it's a hard rock and record so don't get me wrong but i i'm going to play one of the slower tracks coming out of the the interview that i just think's uh, really great but to get into the interview let's hit some classic music by the guess who you know we could do american woman but why not why not this one this is no time by again the guess who some classic guess who and uh, that'll be followed by my interview 
with the Guess Who. On my way to better things, I found myself And I am here in New York City with three members of the Guess Who legendary rock band. We have the founding member, Gary Peterson, here, along with Derek Sharp and Rudy Sarzo. We'll start with Rudy. Rudy, welcome back to uh, Talking Metal. So glad to speak with you again. Great to be back, especially for today. We, this is the release of our new record. The future is what it used to be. Yes, and it is, it's really a great listen, and let's, let's talk about the Guess Who. It's been decades since a new Guess Who record has been out. 
Gary, why why now? Why 2018? Because you go from being a, in a rock band to being in a rocking chair. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's what right. happens to you. Right. Um, why now is because I think we finally have the group of people together. Right. That's why we called ourselves the guess who. We didn't know how long it was going to take and how many guys would be in the band. Right. So we truly are the guess who. But we have a, a group of talented people together. Uh, the, the musicianship, the writing, everything is there. And Rudy was kind of the last piece right. in the puzzle for us to go down that path. Right. It opened up like the parting of the Red Sea. Right. And, and I, I want to talk to Rudy about how you got involved in this project. But first, Derek, yes. as far as the songwriting goes, I would say you're the prime, one of the primary songwriters on this album, which, again, is the brand new Guess Who record, The Guess Who. The future is what it used to be. How much of the band's incredible legacy do you carry on your shoulders as you're writing, writing these songs? Is it, is it something that, that you think about a lot or, or, or not? No. No, okay. But, well, no in that sense. Right. When I started, I mean, th the whole experience is kind of a two-part episode. There's, there's before this band, and, and uh, I started, uh, the, the first song I wrote was playing on the radio. So th these songs were, 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 were influenced by the people and the experiences that we had together. Right. I, I would, the reason I said no is because... I wasn't thinking of the legacy of right. the band. It was the people, Gary and Jim, and these these guys that had been around for a long time, and I was my observation of them and myself and everybody else we were playing with. Right. So, uh, we started to write these songs, and uh, and then when Will came aboard, mm -hmm. which he is coming, he's here. Now. Oh, okay. Yeah, Will he, is here he, now. Will, he's here. Hey, he's, Will, you're welcome to sit in with yeah, us. Yeah, baby. He's uh, he's hijacking the interview. Uh, it. Hey, Will, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. So now we have yeah. four members instead right. of three. <laughs> so Will, now that he's here, he yeah. he's he. The part part two of the story starts with him. Right. When he came into the band, because there were no real songwriters in the band, you know, that that wrote lyrics and stuff like that. And then when Will came in, he he was a songwriter. So we started writing some songs together. And then the process just happened. And, uh, w you know, the idea of recording a record came up a couple of years ago. So we started the process. And then, you know, Rudy was, the, like Gary said, was the final piece of the puzzle. But the, everything happened in stages over right. a 10-year period. Awesome. Cool. And with you being the final piece of the puzzle, Rudy, how did you, how did you end up here? How did you end up with the Guess Who? Well, we have a saying that goes, every road leads to Sass Jordan, who happens to be Derek's wife. Okay. I was uh, doing a, um, I was on tour with a band, and Sass was a member of the group, so we spent a lot of time on the road, and we became really great friends. And when it came time to look for a sub for Jim Kale, the, the founding member bassist, Sass recommended me, and it all started with that phone call. But the final decision was Gary's. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, getting back to the songwriting as, as me right, not being yeah. really a songwriter, although I wrote, I was part of one of the biggest songs we ever had, which was a jam. Right, so that, yeah. that's how I got my credit. As I watch this band, I see 
the relationship developing writing-wise between Will and Derek, who are both comp complementary and otherwise, because it takes that yin and yang, I believe, to write. I see them as a former pair of songwriters we had in this band called Backwin and Cummings. Right, sure. And yet I take it even one step further. I think they have more potential than that songwriting. Really? Wow. Yes. Well, that, that's, that's... That's my bystander. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I've studied this and look at it quite... And, and another thing is... Quite a compliment. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel that. And, and what I think is that I particularly like what I didn't like about Backman and Cummings is one was a piano player, one was a, a, a guitar player. We now have basically two guitar players writing better together, and I like that better than, than yeah. keyboards. Right, so, right on. So well, hold on, it's, our video is a piano's yeah. I know, I know, I know, but you, you notice that piano is only good for ballads, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you. You see that. what I'm saying? I'm yeah. So You're talking I, about Haunted, right? Yeah. As I'm in, in evolved in this, and I'm at the back of the band, I see everything in front of me. It's all in front of me. It's all happening. Nothing happening behind me. Right. So I see this, and I'm very excited about that aspect of the band. Because let's face it, what our original producer, Jack Richardson, said, said it's all about the material. Right on. It's all about the material. And there's some great material on well, this album. Uh, I, you, you mentioned the the, ba the ballad, or I mentioned it, Haunted. Yeah, and, and when I, pra I practice this album all the time. Yeah. And I like playing all the songs. That's never happened before. There's some really... That's my test. Let's, let's talk about Haunted. Um, Derek, that, you know, it, it is a ballad, and and there's a... There's, a lot of emotion in there. I, 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 I feel like this, this, uh, there's a light, but also there's a darkness all within the same song. And I, I just, I wanted to talk to you about what specifically it's about. Is, is it about a specific person you're, you're, that, that you lost? Can you fill us in a little bit about the story or if there is one behind that song? Yeah, it, it's it started out as a, as a general story. Right. You know, I'm, uh, it's already out there that, uh, the the line uh, uh, haunted by a voice from the other side ca came on a, on a on a on a flight where Burton Cummings was sitting next to me. We were seat mates, and his mother had died. And he was telling some oh, wow. somebody about it, and I always carry my writing pad with me. Right. So I wrote that line, and uh, uh, during the, the the rest of the flight, I I wrote the rest of the lyric pretty quickly, and I just it just became evident that, you know, I wasn't really writing about his experience. I was I was writing about my own. Oh, okay. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I lost m my own mother at a young age. So um, but but I, I intended the song to be uh, inspiring, not dark. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Well, That's yeah, why yeah. Haunted has a negative connotation, maybe not not negative, but a dark connotation. But when but but the, but if you listen to the full lyric. Yeah. You know, it talks about the light, not the dark. Right. I got gotcha. you. I got you. And another song that really jumped out at me, just such a great groove in America. Stories behind that coming yeah. together. I love the yeah. harmonica. It was on the that. last just song yeah. we wrote for the, you know, we got really? together, we had a conversation, Gary and Will and I. That's how I remember it anyway. And we were like, we got to write one more song. We got to write an up tempo. We don't have a bluesy, like a bluesy kind of song, right? A riff kind uh, of song. A riff, bluesy, whatever. Yeah. 
and uh, and we were like, ah, but those are really hard to write, you know, because you could easily sound kind of like a bar band, like Mustang Sally or something right, like that. Right, right. So, uh, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, we went up to Will's studio and started, you know, we were listening to the faces and, and, and stuff like that. And I was like, this is the way we should go because it's cool. Yeah. It won't be, it won't be kind of, you know cheesy and uh the lyric i had written years ago uh it was i had it in my book and i had this the whole chorus and this idea i sung it into the phone and it was really uh, uh <laughs> i wrote it after the 2008 financial meltdown oh okay right if, if you read the 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 the, the, the lyric you'll, you'll you'll see what i mean but that was the that was the impetus for it gotcha and then it just kind of took on its own life after that and another one that jumped out on me. I, I love "Good Girl." Love that that flute. And now, is there a, is there a guest vocal on that with you, or is that all you? Well, Tommy sings on five songs. Tommy Shaw, four. Yeah. I think he's talking about the second verse. That's Will. Oh, that's oh, Will that's singing. Will. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Will. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. yeah it's the, Will. I, I love the the blending of the voices on that. Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah well, Will. Cool. This the song was Will's original idea. He he wrote this song kind of as. A, uh, do you want to tell the story instead of me? Or yeah, go, yeah. Well, the idea I think is that you know, pulling from a bunch of influences, we're all you know big Beatles fans and Who fans, and so the vibe of Good Girl has definitely got a real the Who feel, right? So um, I remember presenting it uh, for these guys, and they 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 dug the the vibe, and Gary even uh, he he's like, that's Keith Moon. I love Keith Moon, but I don't play like that, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my spin on it. And, and sure enough, he did this great drum part for it. And, uh, and then the band just kind of, uh, it, it's, it's probably the quirkiest of all the songs, but it's got a lot of rock and roll recklessness to it. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, yeah, that's true. We had to finish it. And so Derek Leonard and I, um, just there were no sat lyrics. down. No. And, and, uh, uh, sorry, I, I just remember this whole story because Leonard came in the room right to write the song with us. Well, actually, I wrote the first verse, and then you right, guys. Right. Yes, that's right. That's so, right. So uh, the lyrics, but that there is, was yeah. no chorus. Right. Is that right? Okay. Right. So, so we get in, we're in this hotel room at a show, and Leonard, you know, <laughs> we get him to play this flute thing there because no, there with no wine involved was yeah. there or not? i don't think there was but not yet not you know too early i haven't in the day. thought of this since but all i remember is coming up with that she's coming ooh, she's coming ooh. right was, i don't even why why would we do that but it i don't was, know it was, we even did some of that beatles like the did did yeah you know like a lot of the background but a lot of <laughs> tit, a, a tit, lot of this yeah right. a lot of this the, the uh, skeleton of, of the right? song right was recorded, was written in that hotel room, uh, I would say in general, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's more to the story, but it's boring. Yeah, and it's nothing interesting, but... Cool, so I know you guys are doing live stuff. Rudy, are you going to be able to be involved with the live dates? Yeah, I've been in the band for the last year and a half, officially. <laughs> and before that, I was subbing, so I've been doing this for two years now. So you always have so much stuff going on. Uh, no, this is my priority right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I do a lot of stuff when I do not have a priority. Yeah. So when I do have a priority, kind of like all the other stuff kind of like goes on way in the back. <laughs> cool. cool, good good to know. And, you know, to, to just look back on... Uh, 
some some of the amazing songs the band has had through the years. Uh, American Woman obviously is is one that just jumps out to everyone. And and Gary and and the other guys. I wanted to ask you. There's been so many covers of this band that of this and song so, and through so the years. And so many stories about how it came about. Right. Well. Well. Let's start. <laughs> let's be, start. Let's, yeah. Let's honest, start there. Memories of that song coming coming together. It, it was. Uh, we were back from the United States touring heavily. We were doing a. a a two-set show in a curling rink in, I think, uh, Scarborough. And it was summertime. Of course, the ice was out, of, the, and we were playing right on the rink, you know, where they would have the curling sheets. Right. And everybody from RCA was there. It was like a big, the, the, the boys that made it big, we'd had by that time uh, these eyes laughing, undone, and no time. Right. Right. Most that's a career for most people, yeah. let alone a band from Canada coming home. Right. So it was nuts there. They were going crazy. And so we took our break in between sets and Burton went off somewhere, the singer. Yeah. And we couldn't find him when it was time to go back on. So we went back on stage and said we'll go up there and bang a little bit, play something and maybe he'll come running and he did. And uh I had been listening to Buddy Miles right. and the Electric Flag at the time. There's yes. a big album that they had out. And he's playing double bass drums. So I, I went back to playing double bass drums and I was playing do 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 that's American Woman. Right. <laughs> that's that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is, right? Right, right. With the tabla on the one. <laughs> yeah. So I started playing that and, and Guys played whatever, you know, you groove like we do at Soundcheck. We do it all the, we do this all the time at Soundcheck now. Right. And uh, so um, he came running up and started singing some kind of weird lyrics. And of course we had, we'd been touring the United States and we saw all the things that were going on there. The, the racial unrest and the, the kids coming and going from Vietnam and, you know, for kids from Winnipeg, we didn't know what the hell that was. So, right. uh, what is this? So that's what came out. The crowd went wild when we played it. We kept playing it every night, kept it in the show. It morphed as it's wont to do when you keep playing it. Finally, we went into Chicago and, and recorded it. Wow. And that's really the story of, 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 of uh, how American Woman happened. Yeah, and... and there's nothing like the original version by the Guess Who of that yeah. song, but there has been a lot of covers. Uh, Again, like Derek said when you asked him about his writing for this band, it's always about the, exp or I shouldn't say always, because there's a lot of personal stuff that sometimes goes into writing, but your experience as a band on the road is a huge influence on your writing. Right. The things that happen, you know, the, the things you go, the things that you go through. Right. Um, it's a treasure trove of material, you right know, to, at, at least, and I'm not a writer, but I see that. I, I see w what it is. Yeah. The band takes time, sorry. But a band does take time to develop. I mean, you just don't oh, oh, have yeah. a band overnight. No, but that's and why I said, they've been asking me all day, yeah. why this band, why now? And yeah. I said, because all the pieces are finally that's there right. to do this. That's right. Before it didn't make any sense to me. I mean, we tried one album in the 90s, 
and it was really to just to, to assuage the, 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 the creativity that was in the band. We didn't even seriously promote it, really. But this, we've, we've done the whole package. I think there's a general feeling of trust within the membership now, and I think that's what you're talking about. And it does come from playing a lot of shows together. Everything, you know, you go from the start to the... To, to, to now, you know, it's it doesn't magically happen on the first show, right? It, no, it, you've it, been you've been here longer than Burton now, so right. But but I'm saying <laughs> with, with like when we keep we keep saying that Rudy was the final piece of the puzzle, but Will and I had how long before that? A few years, three four years before that, where 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 we were developing our our style, and you know, and things happen in very small increments. Every night, you take a band that has been together. For, there's hardly any for the for a long time because usually they break up. But maybe a band like Aerosmith or Cheap Trick. I mean, those guys have have had the 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 opportunity to 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 go through to navigate together together I hope together they understand together. How lucky they are. They're lucky because that's that's the problem. It's hard to keep a band together. Yeah. Look at this band. Look at any band. You know, and 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 when as soon as you lose one member, I don't care who it is. You start it's again. It's never going to be the same. You're starting over. That's makes, correct. Makes makes sense, definitely. And uh, again, I'll just one last time circle around to the cover versions of that song. Uh, American Woman. Um, there's been so many of them. Uh, Lenny Kravitz, Crocus, the Butthole Surfers, even Sam the Eagle from the uh, the Muppet Show <laughs> did a cover of it. Are there other versions of that song that you that that you like or enjoy? What What did you think of Lenny Kravitz's version of, of that song? It's it's like someone trying to do a whole lot of love. Yeah. I mean, how do you yeah. you know? <laughs> right. So so it's a one chord song that never changes chords and. And, and Lenny modulated, didn't he? And demodulated yeah, and, yep. and harmonized. And they put a, a hip-hop beat to it. I thought it was pretty good for what it was. Right, yeah, sure. You know, uh, I, I think, though, that it's like any song. When, when someone does a cover and you've heard the other song for 40 years or 30 years, it, it, you come, you, it's like you become conditioned to hearing that version. Right. So you probably always like when Linda Ronstadt did all all the covers she did. I never really liked them, because because I heard the originals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right on. So that that's what I think, anyways. But and, and I've heard I heard a weird techno version of it. Somebody sent me that's the butthole surfers. The, the butthole surfers. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> whoa, yeah. <laughs> that there's there's a, a version that shocked me. Yeah. 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 Did you see? Did any of you guys see the the Muppet Show version with Sam the Eagle of of the song? No. Yeah, it's funny. He you got he he sings starts singing the song and then he realizes and he's making it this, you know, all about America and the American woman. And then he and suddenly he, somebody tells him that it's done by a Canadian band uh, and he starts freaking out. So it's it's uh, it's very funny, but <laughs> cool. So Rudy, you've been with the band a year and a half. What have what are some of your favorite parts of playing with this band do you do you were you you were i imagine a fan of the band before you were in it yeah i definitely of the music yeah. because i never knew anybody personally right. you know and and uh, so when i got the call from derek to uh, if i was available 
or interested, I said, of course, you know, this is part of the soundtrack of my life, you know, so I'm, I know the song, I'm very familiar with them. And I used to play them back in my garage band right, sure. days. And I, I don't mean the video games, I mean the actual being in a garage, <laughs> yeah. playing in a band, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, but you know, it's to me the most important thing after doing this for like gazillion years is it's the people in the band, the chemistry. We have incredible chemistry, you know, and we really care about each other. We, you know, it's one of those bands that we stay in contact with each other. We were not in the same zip code, you know, we call or text or whatever, you know. And uh, to me, it's, that is just as important. And the talent in this band is incredible. And I, I always talk about it. It's very rare that you have in a band actually two producers, being Derek and Will, you know. And bonafide producers. I mean, you know, I've worked with Derek uh, on a record that we did for Sass, his wife, Sass Jordan, you know. So I got to work with him in the studio, the old-fashioned way, just go in there and record. None of this, you know, sending stuff over the Internet. And then Will is also, he's a producer. He co-produced with Tommy Shaw the latest uh, the Mission, the latest Sticks record, and co-wrote songs with that. So that's very rare that you have such creative output within one band, which I think that it's the reason why this record is so solid. You know, you have two really great writers in the band and producers, you know, so yeah. it's, 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 it's a great place to be. I, I want to circle back uh, for just a, a couple more questions on the record. Again, it's The Future is What It Used to Be by the Guess Who. Just slightly off topic, real quick, Rudy, I just wanted to mention the Dream Child record, Until Death Do We Meet Again, out today. Great stuff. And uh, any, uh, any plans to do any live performing with that, or is that just more a project? Yeah, you know what? When, when, when I was asked to, to play on that record... Um, I, I, I told the guys, listen, I would love to because, you know, I'm, I'm playing with a couple of the guys from, from the Dio band, you know, Goldie and Simon. And, but I said, look, I have to do it as a special guest and make it know in, during, in, when you guys do the publicity, may, let them know that it, I am a special guest okay. on this record because I already have committed to the guess who, and it's total coincidence that both records came out of the same way. But then again, I'm very proud to have played on the whole record on the, on that. So yeah. It was nice to see the last time I saw Dio was in 2004 here in New York City, and it was with you and Craig and Simon. Yes, Anthrax opened. It was a great night. But uh, the guess who also have their great new record out today. The future is what it used to be now. There's some great guest stars on the record that I just wanted to touch upon before we wrap things up. Uh, a guy who I, I think is just great, Michael Devon. Can you talk about his involvement with, with the record? I, we recently had him on the podcast, and just a, a great guy and a true talent. He's playing with Whitesnake now. And what, what's his involvement with, well, with this record? Again, uh, uh, all, in the all roads lead to sass uh, right, okay. uh, what well, she was doing a project with Michael and Brian Tishy called, okay. called Sun and okay. Brian had Hello. subbed in for Gary for a couple of shows ah okay and i had seen devin and i i was i actually actually and i knew him and uh and yeah, he's obviously a great bass player a great singer so it was the same process with Rudy. We, we didn't have a bass player, so he came and subbed in on a couple of shows. Everybody liked him. We, you know, right. you know, he, he fit in 
really well for the time he was doing it. And when we went in to record the, the, at Blackbird, we didn't have a bass player. Ah, okay. And Rudy hadn't been involved yet. Right. So we asked Michael if he would come and play on, on, on some of the songs. And uh, he agreed. He was in Japan, and he had to fly in that day. You remember, right and Japan. right from Japan. So he was he was falling asleep between takes. Wow. Oh my God, he was he was so wow. He was so jet lagged and this and that. And and if you know Michael, he's yeah. he's a lovely man, yes. right? He's a lovely guy and funny as all get out. Anyway, so he, he did his best. And we don't forget, we had to have a rehearsal before we went in the studio. So we had to jam some of the songs he was going to play on. But, uh, but then Will, I guess, uh, somebody uh, got him that Beatle bass to play on a couple of songs. And he was pretty much game for anything. Maybe because cool. he was delirious, but I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> Do you have he anything? Was re- he was retarded. No, he, 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 uh, he was great. You know, he was completely out of sorts because of that. But uh, he came in and played some really rocking bass on, on a lot of the tracks. And we had a few songs left over that of course Rudy fit right in. We have him on Baby Come Around and uh, he played on Running Blind. Okay. And what's the third one, Rudes? No, that's, yeah, that's, it. that's it. Is there two? I thought there was three. Um, but, it, but so it was great because those songs were really, I think they were geared towards stylistically. They have that kind of swing in your play and uh, it really worked out great. And then of course we have Jim Cale on one track on bass as well, you know. Um, on Long Day, so we've got kind of quite a diverse, you know, catalog of of, of bass players on, right on. It and they're yeah. all very talented. Yeah. Cool. Tommy Shaw, um, what was what was his involvement? You said he was on five. Somebody said he was on five songs. Was, was he five or was four. it four? Four. four. Okay. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Well, I've been, my Derek and my relationship goes back with him. We've known him for years and years and years, and uh, I've of course worked with him for a very long time, and he. Um, you know, whenever there's these type of situations, you know, you, and, and I live in the same town with him, like, are right. you interested in singing on this? And he's a huge The Guess Who fan. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, he's the reason that I know these guys. He kind of put me in touch with the band when they needed a guitar player. So that's where that story comes from. But, uh, yeah, Tommy was really excited about singing, like, a lot of the backgrounds on it. Cool. Uh, you can hear him on Haunted. It's, right, you know, yeah. It's very, yeah. you know, and, yeah. ra- and playing on the radio, et cetera. So... Right Very on. fortunate to have had that. Right, he he he's actually come up to sing with us a few times when we've yes. done shows yeah. together. He come up, he'll come up and sing American Woman or whatever. So it's been yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Brent Fitz from Slash's band, among many other things. What's what's his involvement on the record? You want me to take this or? Yeah. He he's first of all he's from. Manitoba, so uh, from Winnipeg, so that's that's a that's a pretty good start, and uh, he's also sub for me. I've at my age, I get parts replaced, knees, hips, shoulders, things. So um, he's he's played uh, quite a few times, and 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 really, you know, again, played with these guys on on different projects and things. So it's kind of a natural in a way, and and he grew up listening to me play that the the music as far as his involvement on the record i think the stars just aligned because he went to nashville for another reason and will just happened to get a hold of him right on and he went down to will's studio and just basically did all the percussion in one day right cool 
you know, because we we didn't have enough time to do it at Blackbird. We were concentrating on getting the solid tracks. So we'd Gary, you know, in in a perfect world, we would have just done it all while we were together, but right. uh, that didn't happen. And it's kind of cool that Brent got to play on it because he has he's a he grew up as a big fan of the Guess Who. Gary's one of his heroes, so he was like super sc- stoked to do it. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Guys, it's been an honor to speak with all of you. The Guess Who, the new record is out now. The future is what it used to be. And uh, gr- great stuff, great stuff. It's the record that you'd want from the Guess Who. I mean, the thing is that you like it. Yeah. That <laughs> is the, best, the best part of the whole afternoon is that you like it. And that's really important. Yeah, no, great stuff. Love it. Thanks, guys. Yesterday, I think it was nothing And nothing was going on All at once, I was crying Couldn't help myself Stop this now It's still inside the times When I want you around I'm haunted Haunted by a voice from the other side And the other side
Big thanks to everyone from the Guess Who and Chip for lining that uh, interview up. Really enjoyed my time with those guys, and I'm enjoying the the album. It's it's great stuff, and I suggest everyone pick it up. You can pick up the physical copy, or you can listen to it on your favorite streaming services. And speaking of favorite streaming services, I got to tell you, I'm really digging what YouTube is doing now. They have uh, their own streaming music service. And I know you're probably like thinking, well, yeah, they, they, of course they do. They just, uh, you know, you just go on, on there and stream the music right on YouTube. No, no. Now what I'm talking about is a little different. This is, this is YouTube music. It's a brand new streaming service. Okay. And you've all you've all found yourself down a rabbit hole on YouTube. There's so much music to discover there. You can spend hours exploring new songs and artists. But now there's an app and it makes all that so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service combining everything you'd expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube. Uh, and YouTube is such a great way of bringing all this to life. YouTube Music makes it easier to find the music you're looking for. Official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, even covers and remixes. Even that song we just heard by the Guess Who, Haunted. Isn't that a great song? Go listen to it on, on YouTube Music. It's awesome. Love that song. Don't know the, the song's name? I love this feature. You can search by lyrics, and YouTube Music will bring up the song that way. I mean, talk about simple. The YouTube Music app gives you recommendations based on your taste. And, and not just the stuff you've been listening to, but also, like, the location you happen to be in, the time of day. Uh, you can easily find music trending around you no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it's even better. You get ad-free music that plays with the screen off. You know how like when you close the screen on YouTube, the music stops? Not anymore. This plays with the, when, when, when you minimize it or have the screen off or while you're using another app. Finally, I'm glad they're doing this. Let's just a great feature and you can enjoy the music wherever you want even if you're offline you're on a you're on a plane you know you're uh, at the top of mount everest wherever the fuck you are you can listen to youtube music premium it's so good and you can download the new youtube music app today and start a free 30-day trial so listen go get it you don't like it quit before 30 days you're you know you're off the you're off the hook no money required but i know you're gonna love it and it only costs 9.99 per month of course all the regular terms and restrictions apply uh youtube music man it's all there including the new guess who so uh definitely go check out all your favorite classic rock hard rock heavy metal all the stuff we love here on the podcast even this next band, which is probably a little uh, out of our wheelhouse here. This band is called COVID. COVID. And uh, we're going to talk with David from the band. They're a San Francisco Bay Area trio, uh, mostly instrumental. And these guys got some chops. These guys are serious musicians. If you're a, a musician head, you love you love 
players that have some real skill, you're going to like these guys. So let's hear first from David, and then we'll hear a little bit of their music following the interview, okay? Hey, it's Mark cool. Striegel, and we are talking with David from Covet. And David, your last name, Ademiak, is that right? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today. And, you know, Monica had turned me on to some of your music. The The brand new record is, is what, out today, right? Uh, yeah, it's, I believe it's out physically today. Okay. And then it's uh, been online since Friday the 13th of last week, so July 13th. Oh, okay. On, like, digitally. Right, I got uh-huh. you. Cool. And let's let's talk a little bit about the band, the the history of the band. This is your first full-length record? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, sorry, also our debut with Triple Crown Records. Um, the... Our band has been around for, I want to say, four going on five years now. Um, started like 2014-ish. Um, and we just started playing local shows. And then I think the thing that kind of got us more of a following is we opened for two bands called Chon and Polyphia. Okay. Uh, for four California dates that they did in the summer of 2015. And then immediately after that, we did uh, some U- we did a UK tour with a band called Half Sleep. And uh, I feel like that combined, the fact that we went international combined with the sold-out Sean Flippia shows, I think right. is kind of how we started getting some momentum. Cool. And so previous to this album, what releases did you guys have out? Was it just singles? So, yeah, so we had an EP called Currents that we released in December of 2015. And then we had a single called Aries. That was February of 2016. I think maybe 2017. Um, yeah, and so it was just those seven songs, basically. And you guys are an instrumental band, and the musicianship is is really impressive. I mean, you, you're just all around some great playing on the record. But besides great playing, there is obviously a emphasis on melodies catchy melodies and song structure so i wanted to just get a general idea of how you guys compose music is it jamming in a room is it coming up with ideas on your own and then exchanging the ideas when you guys get together how does the whole process of creating these songs go yeah so typically our guitarist event she kind of like writes out a structure of the song and she'll kind of write her guitar part uh, she'll write like various parts and she'll have the whole song and she'll bring it to the band and then we kind of jam it out and we play out certain parts and see if we need to like extend or cut certain bits and then how we want to arrange the drums and the bass which my drummer and myself write our parts um, with we write them in the practice room basically um, and then we kind of add various tones and, and effects to things afterwards to kind of fill it out and, and give it a more atmosphere Cool. And then when you uh, head into the studio, are you working with producers or is this self-produced stuff? Yeah. So on this, on our most recent release, uh, FLRS, we worked with a producer named Mike Watts. Um, he was really helpful during the whole process. Like we, we co-produced it because we had probably about 90 to 95% of everything you hear on the record there pretty much right uh before we went in in terms of 
the songwriting element of it, and then there's just kind of some nice little sprinkles and stuff on top of that. And my guitar said that also helps kind of add some additional layering that filled out some of the bits. Cool. And, you know, musically, being you're an instrumental band, obviously, but it's it's kind of also, besides not having vocals, it's kind of hard to place this and categorize it, which is something we always want to do with music. Probably, uh-huh. you know, it's not a good thing, but everyone's always like, well, it's this style of music or it's that style of music. Is has that helped you guys, or or you know stand apart from everyone else, or has it maybe hurt you that you don't fit into a specific genre, or maybe you disagree with me and you do fit into a specific genre? Yeah, I think I think our genre is kind of fluid, and I think genres do serve the function of helping to communicate at least a vague idea of what's happening with the music that you're about to listen to, or maybe having recommended to you. So I, I think in that in that way, whether you call us math rock or post rock or um, what, whatever it may be, um, or classical fusion, says my drummer, right. <laughs> um, whatever you call us, it's, I think I think those terms will at least give you a ballpark of where you're at. You know, you're not listening to like death metal, you're not listening to hip hop or something. Um, so in that sense, I think the genres that people have attributed to us have helped them you know, get a general sense of what we are. Um, and so I think it's helped us. Very cool. And as a basis, who have been some of your your influences? Ooh, uh, Jack Bruce from The Cream was nice. my first inspiration, along with John Entwistle of The Who. Um, and then I also really love... Uh, the bassist Flea is really great on all the Chili Pepper stuff, but his... Uh, my personal favorite thing, probably the thing that I've taken the most from from him, is the work he did on Mars Volta's De Laos in the Comatorium. Ah, oh, right. Um, that's actually like the first record I heard where I was like, whoa, I want to play bass like that. Um, also, Justin Chancellor from Tool is a big one for me. And, uh, oh, Lordy, Lord, Lord, Lord. There's another one. Jacob Pistorius, obviously. There's all sorts of amazing players in all sorts of genres um, that I've listened to over the years and really enjoyed a lot there's a guy from this band uh there's this guy from this band called isis which is one of the most unfortunate names right. they broke up five years before the islamic state became a thing yeah i know ISIS. Um, but they're a great like oh perfect yeah they're uh they're a post-metal band and their bass player i never learned how to pronounce the last name i think it's Caxide, although right. i've told it's something else there's an x in there which confuses me uh but he's also a big inspiration for me Cool. And so, what's the what's the current plan for you guys? You're out on the road doing doing dates. Uh huh. So we just finished our second of ten shows. Uh, it's our first headlining tour. We're just doing kind of a West Coast run um, to get our feet wet with it. So we just finished uh, Seattle, and now we're driving down to San Francisco today. We have a show there tomorrow. So today is our kind of you know 14 hour haul of a drive. And then we go as far east as Denver after we get down the rest of the West Coast. And then we loop back around. Um, and after this tour is complete, we have another couple things planned for fall of this coming year and winter of this coming year. Um, and in August, we're shooting a couple music videos. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, that's what we got on the docket. Cool. Well, fun stuff. And again, thanks for yeah. introducing our listeners to to covet here on the podcast. What song can we play for the, the listeners to take us out here? 
Let's do. Hmm, let's do the song Howl. Howl. Okay, that closes out the record. Cool. Yes. And David, thank you so much for your time. We we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. You have a safe rest of your day. You too. Take care. Cool. Bye.
That was a little covet. Again, that's C O V E T. Covet. 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 C O V E T. And the guy we just spoke with was David Adamiak from Covet. So definitely check those guys out. And that's a little of their music there, which uh, I think is pretty impressive. I, I love I love the guitar playing style and just all the instrumental style going on there. It's good stuff. Support those guys. They're out on the road in a van trying to make a living as, as artists. And that's, that's tough uh, nowadays. So go support them. And we're going to Take, uh, take a minute to talk with a guy who's got a book out, David Frangioni, and he has a book about drums, which uh, sounds just incredible. The book is called Crash, the World's Greatest Drum Kits, From a Piece to Pert to Van Halen. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are talking with David Frangioni, who has a great book out, Crash. The world's greatest drum kits, and there are so many great, great drummers in this book. And uh, yeah, David, I just want to talk to you about where the idea came to put this cool book together, which you wrote, and it has some great visuals by by Mark Weiss, who most people know. Great stuff. Let's uh, talk about where the idea for the book came from. Well, um, over the years, I've been a collector. Uh, but really my whole life of different things, baseball cards, um, Clint Eastwood memorabilia and movie posters, which I also wrote a book on, um, and drums. Being a drummer uh, and a, a passionate person about drums, musician my whole life, um, I've collected some amazing, uh, historically significant drums, snare drums and drum sets, and I wanted to share them with everybody. Uh, I, I wanted to do something as part of my foundation, my nonprofit. And I just thought that a book would be just a great way to preserve and share all of these uh, amazing drum kits in the same way that I look at them. Uh, um, you know, I think a lot of people will look at them and, and get a lot of enjoyment and recollect great memories and, you know, reference certain things for historical purposes. This is really a lot of, a lot of inspiration in the book, you know, depending on what your passion is about drums. Right, right on. And let's talk about some of the specific people you have in the book. The, the guy I do this podcast with, uh, the the sometimes co-host, his name uh, John Ostrowski, a.k.a. Astronomy, in his apartment in Jersey City, New Jersey, he has Eric Carr's drum kit from, I think it's the Crazy Nights Tour, uh, just he, which he somehow got through Eric's sister or something. But he has the actual kit there. And it, I know he's going to love this book because his favorite band, of course, is Kiss. And, and you have uh, Peter Chris's kit as well as Eric Singer's kit in, in, this, in this book. Let's talk about, about Peter's kit. Um, what, what was his kit like? Like, was it a more simple kit than, say, like, as opposed to, like, a Neil Per? Like, what kind of kit does Peter Chris play? And how did you go about photographing and writing about his kit? Well, before we, we go there, you know, Eric Carr is not in the book. He's the only drummer of the three Kiss drummers that aren't in there. So I need off air, I need some phone numbers here so I can get that kit out of his living room. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it, it's uh, he put so po- it to the collection. Yeah, you should really because he uh, he's constantly posting pictures of it on Facebook and stuff, and and he's uh, he's like you, he's a collector. He collects Kiss stuff, you know. So he's got Aces guitars and also Paul Stanley's amps, and and he's actually Fantastic. has Eric's Fantastic. yeah Eric Carr's drum kit in his two bedroom apartment in uh, in Jersey City. So I will absolutely get you in touch with him because I know he'd uh, he'd love to chat with you for sure. Well, it's great because the book it has a corresponding museum, private museum, where a lot wow. of the kits are set up, including Peter and Eric. So to answer your question on Peter, to start with, Peter Chris's kit in the book and in the museum is a, is the kit from Destroyer. So it's got that, like, Mylar-looking uh, finish to it, custom finish, pearl wow. drum, single-headed. Uh, as we know, Peter only played a single bass drum, but he used a lot of toms. So it's quite a large kit, goes all the way around, uh, you know, really cool looking kit. I mean, so iconic because the Destroyer tour was such a huge tour for Kiss. And there's a lot of amazing photographs from that tour uh, with this kit in it, of course. Um, And we also have the snare drum from the Dynasty tour. Okay. So, um, it, which is almost like a marching snare drum. Very cool piece. Uh, they were they were obtained separately from each other. So the um, the the snare drum and the destroyer kit, you know, are they're both from Peter Chris, but they were, you know, they were gotten through different uh, different channels. The destroyer kit was gotten from a gentleman named Fred Mather, who bought it at the uh, the the big Kiss auction. Oh, that okay. was done in 2000 at Butterfields, right. where the band actually auctioned off like a huge amount of their stuff. And this drum kit was in it. Um, and this gentleman, Fred Mather, bought it. And I met... Now, the funny thing is I met Fred Mather through Eric Singer. Wow, Fred okay. is a fan of Kiss and gone on all these Kiss cruises. And met Eric, of course, as a fan and just, you know, got to know him from seeing him at all the cruises and backstage at shows, et cetera, as a fan. And I was with Eric in Miami uh, before he was leaving to go on the actual cruise because it, um, it was going out of Miami that year, uh, the, the big cruise ship was. And Fred Mather ran into us and Eric, knowing about my collecting, of course, and all that, because he and I are very close friends and and he's a big drum collector and a watch collector. He's got the collector bug like we do. And he said, Fred, didn't you buy the Destroyer kit? And I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. what? Fred Mather? You own the Destroyer kit? He's like, yeah, I bought it. It was so random. Like, it was like what? Is, he just bought it as a fan. And it was just the, the talk about the happenstance. So long story short, um, Fred had bought it, you know, at that point he had bought it over 15 years from when we were sitting at this table together at Joe Stone Crab in Miami beach. And, um, the next thing, you know, uh, Fred said, uh, it really belongs with you. And we made a deal and, um, I'm really grateful to Fred Mather for allowing it to be in the collection. That, that is awesome. And uh, you mentioned Eric Singer, who, you know, of course, his kit is in the book, too. But how about um, some of three these... Three drum kits. Three drum kits from Eric. Wow. Wow. 
Eric Singer has three significant drum kits, and he wrote the afterword to the book. So we have Carl Palmer, who wrote the forward, and Eric Singer wrote the afterword. And we have Eric's uh, lighted kit, which he used, which is in the Kiss Rocks Vegas video and movie, um, and was on that that tour. We have his Mirrorball kit, which is one of the most significant Kiss Eric Singer kits of all time. Every piece of mirror was individually cut and glued to each drum it took months handmade it's and paul stanley calls it the best looking drum kit on tv that though that there ever has been he would have eric use it on every appearance that kiss did no matter what kit eric was playing on tour or whatever whenever they were going to be on tv he said use that kit it is so spectacular Wow. And he's right. It really is a showstopper of a kit. And we have Eric's Kiss Alive um, retro kit on one of the Kiss cruises. They made the theme of the cruise Kiss Alive 1. And so Eric did a, a Peter Chris-looking Kiss Alive single bass drum kit with all the toms going across, etc. cetera. And, um, and, you know... Uh, we have all three kits. That's that's amazing. And that Las Vegas video that you mentioned, the random fact, uh, kind of out of the blue here. One, I, I'm actually in that video. There's a cutaway <laughs> to an audience, you know, audience shot, and they they show me singing along uh, somewhere in that video. So yeah, that was uh, that was a great Kiss moment, the Kiss residency in uh, in Las Vegas, and uh, so much other stuff here. Carl Palmer, Buddy Rich. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Let's talk about Ringo. Ringo Starr, of course, probably one of the the most famous drummers of all time and a simple drummer at that. Uh, how did you get to photograph and write about his kit? What kit is it from what era of the Beatles? Um, well, Ringo Starr, we have... Um, we have all of his Beetle kits photographed. He had four Oyster Pearl black kits that he used from Ed Sullivan to the, to the late 60s. And then, of course, we have the Let It Be kit, the five-piece Maple Ludwig that he played on the roof. And we have all five kits photographed by Ringo. And he... Oh, wow gave us the photos to use in the book of those drums. Plus we have the custom made kit that Ludwig made for Ringo to use on the hello goodbye video, which is this giant oversized drum kit where all the drums are like, like 50% bigger than a real drum would be in each category. So this huge snare, huge bass drum, rack tom, floor tom, it all looks like a car. It was supposed to look like a cartoon because the drums are so oversized. Ludwig made it one of one for Ringo. He used it in the video and he used it on a bunch of overdubs. And we have that kit. And And think about Ludwig making a custom drum sized kit it, it would it would never be economically feasible at any point in time except for in you know 1967 when Ludwig uh, is selling 150,000 drum kits a year because of Ringo. 
So yeah, basically, yeah. there were there was almost unlimited financial, you know, opportunity for Ludwig to participate with something like that because Ringo was so huge. Yeah. Yeah, and and now Carmine is also in the book, Carmine a piece, and he talked uh, to us once when we were interviewing him about the size of his bass drum, and even accused John Bonham of of kind of uh, borrowing or or stealing some of his, the ways he set up his drums. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Carmine? And I mean, this guy has such a just amazing career spanning from the '60s to you know 2018, playing with everyone from Vanilla of fudge to rod stewart to to ozzy i mean the list just goes on and on can you tell us a little bit about uh carmine's kit and his setup yep well carmine we have in there three kits of carmine um carmine's a friend of mine an inspiration without question you know he's such a groundbreaking incredible drummer um, we have his, the last kit he used with cactus, the, the reformed cactus. Wow. We have the realistic rock drum kit, which he used on the cover of realistic rock, his best selling and groundbreaking drum book. And he also used it on all the Rod Stewart, uh, tours and records from the mid to late seventies. So it's like that classic Carmine kit the maple blonde Ludwig with the syndromes up front and the gong bass drum on the right, double bass drums, iconic. Um, and we have the, the Slingerland custom made kit that he used on the Ozzy Osbourne bark at the moon tour. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Another drummer that I love because I think his playing has so much personality. I, I've heard some people sometimes criticize his his technique or, or his uh, his style, but uh, you know his his style is a part of one of the biggest selling bands of all time. Lars Ulrich, can you talk a little bit about Lars and and his involvement with the book? Um, yep. So Lars, uh, we have his. Uh, Tama signature kit. They made just a few of them. Um, white. It's that classic looking Metallica kit of that era where it's the big white black toms with the black hardware. Um, and it's, uh, you know, just an incredible looking Lars kit. It just, it screams Lars as soon as you see it. Um, it's probably the most like the most the most classic Metallica drum kit for people, whether they're Metallica fans or or just heavy metal fans or heavy metal drummer fans. Like when you think of when you see this kit, it's gonna be like, yeah, that's you know instantly you know it's Lars's kit. It's a very cool kit. Wow, cool. A couple more names I just want to throw at you, and any uh, any little comments you want to mention about them or their involvement in the book or their kits. Uh, Neil Peart, uh, Nico McBrain, Alex Van Halen, all these guys are in the book, right? Oh, yeah. Um, we have Nico McBrain's signature kit, uh, which is an, uh, an incredibly cool uh, premiere signature kit. We have some Nico snare drums. We have three Alex Van Halen kits that we got directly from him. One of the three, it was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the 1981 Invasion Tour kit, 
which is that white kit with the the hosing that connects the outer bass drums and the fire extinguisher on the side. Right. And we have his 2012 and 2015 kits. The 2012 kit has the beer keg uh, on the front of one of the bass drums, and they would fill it with beer. And you could go over and you could put a glass <laughs> under it and literally as if you were like a bar tap on That's the awesome. front of the bass drum. It was, I mean, just totally custom, totally cool. Alex Van Halen and his drum technician and drum designer, the gentleman that actually designs his drums for him and puts the kits together and does all this customization, a gentleman named John Douglas out of Houston, Texas. Absolute wizard. John Douglas, we call him JD. He's incredible. He put, he helped us facilitate getting the kits from Alex and he actually helped me set up all the kits when we photographed them with Mark Weiss, JD was a really big part of the whole process. So you can imagine that Alex's kits got set up by the gentleman that designed the kits and set them up on tour for Alex every night. And is his right hand guy and a drum expert. Wow. So, um, the, the energy on this book, the guys involved like Mark Weiss, like JD and Alex and Carmine and Carl Palmer and Eric Singer and, you know, just it goes on and on with these iconic and, and inspired drummers. Uh, it all comes through in the book. You know, we have Neil Peart's R30 reissue kit. Um, I believe they only made 30, released them through Guitar Center. They sold out instantly. Um, you know, it's an exact replica of Neil's R30 kit. And um, it's amazing. You know, it's a beautiful kit. And... Um, you know, it's never been photographed like this before and shown in such detail. So, uh, you know, it's just an amazing book for if you love, you don't have to be a drummer to love this book. You know, it's, it's like if, if you're a drummer, you'll definitely love it. But if you love hard rock, heavy metal or drums at all, it's just a cool book. It was meant to be a coffee table celebration. It's meant to be a fun, interesting, really cool read. It's not a geeky drum Bible like we're trying to say that this drum was made in 1973 with this serial number. Like there's lots of books out there like that that are just completely historically driven. This is the opposite. This is a coffee table book that you could you wouldn't have to read a word of text and you would enjoy the heck out of it. Cool. Cool. And where's the best place for people to get it? Is it uh, is it at like Barnes & Noble Bookstore if you go in there? Or do you need to go online to get it? Where can people pick this up? It's at all Barnes & Noble, and, uh, and it's also online at Amazon. Uh, we had some days there where it was number one in its category, so we're getting a great reaction to it. And, um, you know, we, we hope people will check it out. Absolutely cool. Crash, the world's greatest drum kits. David, great job on this. And uh, we're going to have links up in today's show notes on talkingmetal.com and talkingrock.net that'll take you right over to Amazon where you can uh, purchase the book. And yeah, thanks so much for your time and your, your stories. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, everybody. And uh, rock on. Thanks so much for joining me here on this special episode special i don't know <laughs> was it special uh it's just pretty much a normal episode but the next episode we're gonna have is special because my good friend victor ruiz who i really miss having him on the podcast he's gonna be back with me 
doing an episode of Talking Metal. So I look forward to that. I don't even know if we're going to have any guests on that. I think it just might be uh, Ramble Fest with Victor and Mark Striegel, Victor Ruiz, who works so hard on our, our website. My website, it's called talkingrock.net. And of course, we still have talkingmetal.com, but talkingrock.net is constantly updated with reviews and and news and all the podcasts and video stuff we're doing. There's a lot of video stuff, a lot of video interviews I've done lately that uh, aren't on the audio version of the podcast. So be sure to check those out on talkingrock.net and on our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash talking metal. I want to thank everyone for supporting what we do here on talking metal and a big shout out to all the, the Patreon supporters. Let's give you all a round of applause right now. Our 20th Patreon supporter, who is a guy named Stephen Saylor. Stephen, I sent you out a t-shirt. I hope you got it. Thank you so much for, for joining us here on the, the podcast and on Patreon, I, sh- I guess is what I should say, Patreon. Just go to patreon.com, search Talking Metal, and anyone pledging $5 a month or more will, of course, get a T-shirt just like Stephen Saylor did. And Stephen, uh, yeah, I wanted you, you sent me a couple of emails, and you one says, I'm Talking Metal's 20th on Patreon. Yes, you are. So thank you for joining us there, Stephen. And you said, I've been listening to Talking Metal for the last five years. Wow, that's a good chunk of time. Thanks for spending that time with us, Stephen. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. I am glad that Emily has gotten involved with Talking Metal. You and Emily do an excellent job interviewing everyone on the podcast. I don't play for I don't pay for any other podcasts that I listen to or music services that I use. You seem like great down-to-earth people, so I wanted to support the podcast. I'd be honored to wear a Talking Metal t-shirt. It was sent, Stephen. I hope you got it. Uh, I have a request for you. Would you please try to get Lance King on Talking Metal? He has an active pledge music campaign for his new solo album, Reprogram. I've been a fan of his for years and was the first to pledge to his campaign. He needs hundreds of people to pledge to the campaign to reach 100% of the goal. Yeah, I know how that is, man. But uh, yeah, man, sure, Lance King. Um, let's uh, let's hook that up. I can I can make that happen for you. I'd, uh, always looking to um, do what you guys want, especially you supporters on on Patreon. And if it's important to you, Stephen, I'm there for you. All right, so send me the info. How do I get in touch with them? And we will make that happen, okay? I will definitely need to do a little research on on Lance, though, because I have to be uh, honest with you. I don't know much, if anything, about who he is. <laughs> so, so uh, But, yeah, happy to talk to him for five or ten minutes if uh, if. If you think he's worthy, I'm with you 100. One hundred percent. All right, man. So uh, cool. I'm gonna uh, see what we can do to hook that up. All right, dude. Okay. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, guys, take care. And I hope you have a great, great week. 
And that should do it. I'm finally fucking caught up on interviews. This <laughs> this episode kind of cleaned them all out. I do have some other ones scheduled during the week. A member of Ozzy Osbourne's band. Uh, we got um, one of the original people who I consider the archi- like an architect of heavy metal from Uriah Heep. I think he's going to speak with me. Who knows? Maybe even K.K. Downing will appear. Although uh, at this point, I'm not getting my hopes up. All right, guys. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Um, don't know. Awkward ending. Okay, bye.